0: This is Modern Woman. Find us at modernwoman.co for further info. The music industry is known for being relatively male-dominated. However, I'm in conversation with an inspirational woman, uh, DJ and producer Paris Chavette, who is determined to make a change in the industry and put a stamp on women in music market. Lovely to meet with you, Paris. You too. Lovely to meet with you. Great to be here. So tell us, um, how did it all start? Obviously, you know you've got lots going on, which we'll get onto in a minute. Um, but let's sort of go back to your roots of how you first made tracks into the music industry. Well, um, it started as just a little girl who
1: was raised on music. So my mum and dad are heavy record collectors, and their passion for music. From really before I could talk, I was singing Blackstreet in big R and B bands. Before I could even know my ABCs, so that's really where I began just in a very
0: very music loving home. So your parents influenced that a lot and
1: what was their background? My dad is a um, he's in internet technology so he works for like Samsung he's quite high in the kind of IT field and my mother is very she's a creative so she kind of is a dress designer nail nail designer she's just an absolute seamstress she's just a creative queen so she's like anything she wants to do she puts her hand on and
0: she she does it so that's them really cool so you get your creative side from your mum together
1: yeah and my dad's an artist so really from both of them yeah definitely
0: brilliant and where did whereabouts did you grow up
1: I grew up in a little town I was born in Stevenage but I live in Boulder all my life yeah
0: so moving on to your first track uh, which is Gerald Albright to the max tell us about this one When I was about 16, internet radio
1: was, like, really taking a massive height. And this song one time came on uh, the Music Match, which was the Yahoo solution at the time. And I was so captivated by it. It was, like, my summer summer anthem. When I left school, that is all I listened to. You know, I'd finish school, trying to work out what to do next. And this song, and it was just the start of professional music parents, really. (laughs)
0: You mentioned that your parents had a massive influence on you coming into the industry. Um, what point would you say you realised you wanted to turn it into a career? When I was about
1: 11, actually. <laughs> um, I was obsessed with Missy Elliott, and and I really wanted to be a rapper. Of course, my very heavy British Hertfordshire accent totally killed that, you know, with my <laughs> that there was no way that was going to happen. Um, at the time, I was playing the saxophone, and my dad said to me, you know what? the vibe that you're going on is either one of these two LPs and it was Joe Sample, Voices in the Rain or Bobby Caldwell, What You Won't Do for Love. And I picked the Bobby Caldwell album and that's kind of what set the Paris vibe pretty much from then. And then I, you know, kind of started using a little software called EJ with my already, you know, knowing how to play Fusing all the music production together at that time and I, i'll probably be able to find them production somewhere but so cute
0: so what come first would you say like the producing side or the djing
1: yeah totally the the musician produ- production side first yes yes i didn't find the uh dj side until i was about 18 17. no actually i was on radio at 15 as a little mc but i really got into djing about 16 17. and where was your first gig It was in a club in Vauxhall and I did a 10-hour set.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's pretty unheard of now, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) One hour set land. But yeah, there was a time where this person said, OK, look, we can pay you this much if you play all night. And kind of in Hertfordshire, we didn't have a lot of opportunities because, you know, it's a a very small nightlife scene there in terms of DJs. So I wanted to kind of get that London vibe and best way to do it was to take one gig and play all night long.
0: Moving on to your second track, uh, John can yeah. play, uh, Red, Gold and Blues. Yeah. Why this one?
1: Well, my family heritage is Jamaican and uh, there was a big, strong uh, boost of reggae in, in, in my household. And my granddad is a massive music lover as well, my dad's dad. And he actually bought me all my first instruments, so he bought my piano, he bought my saxophone and... He had this friend, this guy called John Kopaya and my dad's collection is massive, and he, he will tell you I'm serial, I will steer it, serial for stealing his records. You go, Paris, where's this one gone? Uh. But this one record, we were obsessed with it. It was like, again, another summer anthem when I was young. It just reminded me of my journey in kind of more an older vision where I was more dealing in jazz and house. This album was a real anthem to, to who I am and I, I take it everywhere I travel when I'm kind of, you know, now I have a son and I, feel, I, I travel a lots of places alone and I'm quite a loner generally, but this album, Red, Gold and Blues, goes with me everywhere and it's quite a comfort to me. So.
0: See, at the moment you've got a lot of stuff happening um we'll talk about opom which stands for our people our music um tell us what what's happening what's been bubbling opom well basically it's an, initi- an initiative
1: to kind of fill the voids in the market so whether that's in the nightlife whether that's in the record industry whether that's kind of in just the community of dance music but more fueling towards the r&b soul edge of dance music and that's pretty much the deal so uh, and also merchandise so we'll be selling t-shirts and and hoodies whatever you fancy but it's just our people our music connecting these sounds all in one platform so whether it's r&b neo soul house music you go to one place for that sound and that's
0: open why particular that genre, R&B, soul? I mean, I love all that myself, but <laughs> go on. I think every other genre has its place and its platform, and I think the marketing of their music is
1: very, very weak, and the community, it gets overridden. So, you know, we have some amazing artists out here, Beyonce and Jay-Z, and they all have an amazing professional career, but... The support they have also among them is fantastic they are you know they are legends within within the r&b field but there is also a lot of talent that gets missed in that sound and it's not necessarily supporting the underdog but it's kind of strengthening the underground with a major ground mentality almost so it's kind of giving them that marketing model that belief it's kind of almost bringing up you know how um you had motown you know, you had your set of artists. It's bringing up that structure, that
0: sound, kind of almost taking it back to move forward. Yeah. So almost like finding the emerging artists, the emerging talent that's not yet been brought to the surface. And how do you, how do you find that talent? Um, it's just kind of unapologetically letting people
1: know that they are amazing and willing to give them and to say, look, you know, with, with my reputation so far, you know, I, I have worked from the ground up. I have not, I've had really no parent put me in on no guidance into the industry i've literally just grinded and hustled and it's kind of giving artists a platform so with my reputation with my album that went to number one taking that and showing almost the artist that it may not work out the same way but we, we're sure going to try
0: your album that went to number
1: one that was my debut album celestial my journey among stars and that was a 12 track ep that um totally proud of a whole bunch of friends that I've worked with over the years or working with currently now and it was almost like a, a musical party you know among the people that have really supported me or have a great influence into my sound
0: and how would you, I mean, obviously it must be so, it's challenging nowadays, you know, m- to get your music heard, to get your music out there, you know, people don't buy CDs or, any, or vinyl or anything like that anymore, it's literally a case of like track source or downloading, and how would you say you've dealt with those challenges for the years, I mean, you must have seen it change over the years, how, how have you dealt with that? Um, well this, we, we, I
1: noticed that everything is visual, so it was creating enough love among the people. My I believe my success is driven by the people, and that's why OPOM is, is that our people, our music, because I, I believe I can't, over the years I've been in the industry, I show them consistency. You look at Paris, you're going to get a jazzy house, soulful, you know, very, very musical, soulful house, and I've been that way from day one to forever, so I think through consistency, i have a lovely following and that's what i think more people need to understand the amount of people that will tell me oh paris this is hot you should make a sound like this but i have people who love what i do and i make music for them and that's that's it
0: yeah and very much captivating a niche market right yeah yeah, totally and
1: and so but what was crazy it proved as you say, in this going back to your question, in this digital age, there is a demand in all of this EDM, deep house, tech house. There is a demand for a soulful sound among people, and they bought it because there's also this visual element along the album that they absolutely love. They were so, they were so hungry for it, yeah. and that was really amazing. Yeah.
0: So moving on to your third track, which is Lee <coughs> Retinor. Um, I uh tw- twist of marley rick brown and phil perry so much trouble yeah. i think i've got all this right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so geez. come on, tell me this
1: one yeah. <laughs> so um so much trouble uh, again everything goes back to the summertime and it, it, <laughs> i have a, two beautiful baby sisters a baby brother they um my baby sister baby brother, we all used to jam, you know, we're all finished school, we're all vibing away. And when my mum and dad were out, we I used to crank in the garden with them, all the music loud. And we used to see, like, on Facebook, which was just really getting going. Oh, there's some neighbour playing smooth jazz or something really loud, <laughs> and that was me. That was me all the time. My brothers and sisters, you imagine, like eight, nine, and ten, were all like, yeah, and it's me, like, 17, 18, like you. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but it's smooth jazz. I'm bumping, and this song again was, I think, I was like, yeah, eighteen. We were bumping it in the gardens and it's a Bob Marley classic, but being done in my favorite style, this contemporary, contemporary jazz, uh, classic jazz style.
0: You mentioned about your brothers and sisters how many is there of you
1: there is me obviously being the oldest paris and then you've got tiana she's 21 now you've got kiara she's 20 and then you've got baby marcus who is 16.
0: Wow, so there's enough of you. There
1: is a select clan.
0: (laughs) So you mentioned that you're a mummy as Mm -hmm. well. Yes. Um, How old is your little boy? Yes. How old is he?
1: Baby Corelle is five, a fantastic age. He's going to be six in October, or as he would say, (laughs) Mocktober.
0: Oh, (laughs) bless. And what is it like, you know, you're doing all this, being like a career and working it around your little boy. How do you find that?
1: You know what, it's been the biggest life lesson. I actually don't know who I was before him anymore. Um, when I had him, I stopped for two years. But by the grace of life, I had actually done enough to keep my name going that people didn't necessarily notice me missing. Um, because I believed you at that age, you've only got one chance to really grab them and connect with them at that tiny. So for the first two years of his life, I did literally nothing but sing to him play to him throw him up in the air with music and then as i started to get back into it most of, like my whole album he spent most of the time on my lap so he is at every production the amount of equipment he spilled juice over i don't even want to go into that but it's really funny how the industry almost doesn't allow you to be mummy but i'm quite i don't talk about him publicly too much but i am very proud like he is part of the reason why I do what I do, because so many people will say, oh, I can't do it because of my child. But do you know what? There is no other way you might be able to make a life-changing hit Who else would you want a million pounds for an amazing song for, you know? And he is what drives me to do this, to give him more, and that's it. And he absolutely loves music. He tells me he can play the piano. I've tried to teach him, but he's a strong-headed boy. But he loves the sound, and he sits on my lap almost every time. He knows what mummy does. He comes to the studio with me, and he is deep in it. So it's it's an amazing experience. And if I could, I'd have ten, but one is enough. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, he is he is my world. And if I could, honestly, I would just sit and be mummy forever. I'd love to do that. But, actually, I really don't know why there's not more women doing it because what other job can you sit with your baby all day and and make music? So it is a perfect job for yeah. mummies if anyone's looking for something to do. That's a great job.
0: <laughs> oh, it looks like you're handling it really well. So, So you mentioned that, you know, you found yourself once you'd become a mum. Mm. What would you say sort of has been the difference or...? how would you define that i think my processing of everything
1: so this industry is extremely um, territorial hostile it it is a nightmare and um my sensitivity almost died where i think a lot of people say it gets higher sometimes with children but it it made me put perspective gauge Mm. what actually matters and what really doesn't so okay is this business deal feeding my child and paying for my home no, <laughs> so quite happily, no no, 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 where before I would have probably done a lot to appease and entertain a lot of situations, so mm. through through him, he has balanced me greatly, which actually has worked in my favor because the amount of people that say how calm, how elegant I am as a woman in my position, you know where I have to have to, have to deal with a lot of beasts in this industry and and I, and I have done over the you know the fifteen years I've been in the industry, but I am proud of of uh the way he is and he really sets perspective for me that I don't stress about an awful lot that maybe a lot of people do I handle what 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 I can control and that's it I don't worry about what I can't
0: well, that's a lot of way of handling business, right? Is trying yeah. to take the emotion out of it and looking at things from a logical perspective, yeah. you know. And sometimes they probably sort of say men can do, do that a lot better than women, you know. I don't, I don't know. I'm not quite sure about that.
1: No,
0: no.
1: At cause all. I definitely don't think that. And it's even something that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, how do you do it as a woman? I say sometimes the same way a man does it as a dad. Yeah. And some people would say, oh, well, it's different, women and men is different, children no child, you know, there's single fathers as much as a single mother so it doesn't really matter, either way, it's all love and we all have a responsibility on this earth if we have children to look after them and the world has to revolve and so when I, a lot of people deal with me, they say, oh, but what about your child? I say, trust me, he is fine, you know. Yeah. If, if I could, you know, I'd, do, I'd just be mummy again. But, you know, we handle it and he, he knows about it and he loves it and I have a very supportive family with that, which makes everything possible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, what you say that you've had some challenges over the past 15 years. What would you say has been one of your most challenging times and how have you overcome it?
1: Ooh... I think there's been about
0: three that really stand out but
1: one I can say I was being given probably one of the biggest artists at that time before he was famous I was asked to be his producer or to teach his production collective to produce the way I produce without offering me a deal now this is a big major record label saying you know can you guide these producers because we think you and this artist have an element that the industry needs now I'd said no because it, where was my deal? And to go ahead and give away your sound as a producer, you know, you hear a Timberland production, you know that's Timberland. You hear a Quincy Jones, you know that's Quincy Jones with the Brothers Johnson. You know what that is. And as a producer, that's what I rely on. The same way now I get calls or oh, Paris, can you give that shuffle? Can you add that nasty bump? That is what we do. So um, I said no. And it turns out that artist is now a multi-million pound selling artist, but business the deal was not for me it was not my deal and I also wouldn't be who I am today so even though I may not be a millionaire I may not have all the music awards I still own who I am and what I do so
0: did you not have could you have not negotiated it to work out a deal in your favor
1: I tried to I definitely tried to but it was not something they were into at the time because they needed a resolution quick And I think, again, this is maybe something not only women have to deal with, but of course, probably some men do too. You either abide or you don't.
0: And what is meant to be is meant to be, right? Yeah. And
1: totally, and and that's exactly it. And all of what's developed over the years wouldn't be what it is if if
0: I would have uh, done that. So, moving on to your fourth song uh, Will Downing, We're Personal. Yeah. Tell us about this one, Paris.
1: So this, Will Downing, is a singer that was in my home for years growing up. My dad raised me on that man's voice. And there's two singers I had all the time I was producing that I really wanted to work with. Bobby Caldwell, Will Downing. And to have Will now, I call him Uncle Will because with three productions in and he is just the humblest human being and personal was one of the songs that just like the John Kapoor album is one of the comforts to me. You know, I, there's certain songs that I take everywhere, every machine, every device I get, they come with me. And personal, and it's actually a song with his wife, Audrey Wheeler, Um, They sing that together, and that is just one of my absolute anthems. And you really feel their emotion in it, and um, when I find my husband, that's going to be his anthem as well, whether he likes it or not.
0: (laughs) Better tell him that first. By the way, this is your track. By the way, hon, this is your anthem, just so you know. (laughs) Talk about um women's empowerment, Great. you know, topical subject, considering this is for a modern woman Um and yeah, I know we've sort of spoke beforehand and we spoke about men and whatnot, and obviously it is a male dominated industry. What would you say uh we can do to change that? I think um we have to just focus on
1: our art form and It's a hard thing to say, but I think we have to almost move in silence, like in the shadows, and then by the time we realise we're there, it's too late. I'd say that's personally my success. You know, I've never been the one, I'm a woman, so you need to listen to me. The amount of people who told me I'm not allowed to be here, I'm not good enough. And I said, you know what? People can't argue with a good product. Mm. So I've focused on my art form as a producer, and I'm always trying to be better than yesterday. No one can argue with your talent if you are that good. So, as a DJ, you know, a lot of the time when people say, Can you play our female lineup? I hesitate. I say, Well, actually, you're, you're going against us by sticking us all in the same position. Why can't you start variating? Because two wrongs don't make a right. All male lineup or an all female. That doesn't empower anybody. In fact, it actually just says almost to the men that we're not good enough, to the female, now we have to battle each other. Mm. And that's not appropriate that actually i think it needs to be so balanced and women need to stand out more by being good and that's what i say i think my success here is just being the best possible in my art form and proving that and staying the woman i am so with elegance with pride and you know publicly claiming that yeah you know i am a woman i and and child no child this is me And I'm proud of it, you know, and this is
0: my art form, take it or leave it totally agree i mean i guess from sort of my industry which is media and publishing mm. you know it's not so much the men um you know it's actually just general competition right. you know where people think they're better than you or they want to you know try and knock you out the game and yeah. it's actually do you know i turn it on his head and i say let's let the consumer decide you know I, this is what i can offer this is right. what i'm bringing to the table and almost like you have to believe in yourself to be able to do that um and i think you know i've obviously started working in the music industry recently through club nights and stuff. And I've noticed it more than anything, especially like chatting to you. It's actually, yeah, I've got a good product. I'm going to put it out there. Let's let everyone else choose who, exactly. what they want to listen to and buy, right? Well, this is it. And I, I think I was saying to you the other week
1: that the amount of people that tell me, oh, brother, your music's amazing, they automatically presume I'm a man because of the level of my skill. They say, no way, the way a woman did that. Can you imagine the way that hits us in the heart? like what so women aren't meant to be good and that is a general consensus in the music industry and it's dreadful when you think Cameron Carpenter Missy Elliott the women who have paved the way in our industry and you know what they still they will never get that acclaim so for me I just focus on, you know, regardless of the men that have said they don't want my song on there, writ songs from me. The list is endless of what's happened. It can go on and on. But I've said, you know what, I am here. And as you, and like I said, it's consumer led. Let the people decide. And that is the best way to do anything, I believe.
0: Yeah, totally agree. So your fifth and last song, um, the Isley Brothers, Between the Sheets, is also one of my favourites. So tell us about this one, Paris
1: it's an anthem it's the dirty girl anthem and i'm proud of it i love it the moment that comes on sunglasses on that's it it's just a bad girl anthem you know that it doesn't matter where you are the moment that dun, dun, stop everything you're doing and that's it. it it's my anthem everywhere i go even the gwen stefani version Love it. It's, a, it's my naughty girl anthem. I think every woman needs one. I think not enough women embrace their naughty side, and I'm proud of it. So.
0: What if you hadn't have chose, like, music, DJ producing, what else would you have done?
1: I would have been a secret spy. I would have been... Legitimately would have worked for the MI6. Sounds
0: a bit dangerous, Paris.
1: Uh, it starts at the icy Brothers, and God knows where it goes next. <laughs> moment them lights go down, you know, I <laughs> get the motorbike out.
0: Anything's possible. And,
1: uh, trust me. Um, no, I would definitely... Would have worked for the government. But it's really funny. I actually joined the army as an army musician, and... Medically, my eyesight's too bad to shoot a gun. So even if I wanted to, I, <laughs> I probably couldn't, but I would. I would. I think I'd be a really good spy because I've obviously been in the music industry. I've practised my poker face.
0: Hi, hum Be amazing. I'm in sales, so literally you know. all day long. Poker face, poker, poker face. face. No one has a clue. Poker face.
1: You know, I'm all good at poker face until I like it too much and I can't hide it.
0: So how would you define Success. I think almost not feeling it. I think it's,
1: I, I, I follow the, the Taoist kind of life a lot. So I'm not Buddhist or I'm not necessarily Taoist, but I do believe in the law of attraction and I try and stay thankful for, for nothing almost. And I think I'm actually now starting to feel my success when I can actually work from home, be with my son. And what more can you ask for? Yeah. I am now in a position to be at home with my son, be available to do more of this career. It may not be the most money flushing career, but who knows what I can develop. So I think success is all in our own um, kind of, it's in our own gauge. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's just finding a point where you say, you know what, that's it. And my point was to be working from home. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's about sort of focusing on, one, what you're passionate about, because then that's what you're going to be really good at. And my dad always said to me, you know, Rose, like, find something, yeah, that's lucrative. But if you're really passionate about it and work hard, money is a byproduct, it will come. You know, so it's a bit like that. It's quite a humble way that you've sort of defined it. And, you know, it will come if you're good at what you do, right? and And I think that's with everything. It's like,
1: you know, you can always be chasing for a success, but I see them all as goals. So, you know, they say, write it. it becomes a goal, you know, a dream into a plan, that's it. And, you know, what they say, turn your thoughts into plans and your dreams into cans, you know, and it's like making sure that that is my rotation with everything. So people, well, someone said to me, you said last year that this was gonna happen and how did this happen? And it's that, and so I've almost got, not saying I get everything I want, but I will do everything in my physical power to mold you know, if I say, okay, I want this, right? What's, what am I? I will quite look at what I haven't done or what I could do or should do. Like, I want a body like this. Maybe I should stop eating cake. <laughs> but we, we, we're struggling to get that point. But I know that's what I need to do. And that's the deal. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the simple sum is trying to find what I want. How do we do it? And it's then the journey in between.
0: So what does the future bring? from cake <laughs> I wasn't going to say that chocolate but yeah. chocolate
1: yeah um, more music so much more music of course the development of Opom I've got some beautiful talent that I'm mentoring at the moment you know young girls young boys at uh, 17 16 years old teaching them this industry because as I said I've been in it 15 years and you know, I'm not 30 yet and I've been in it that long and there has been no one who has kind of come up with me in our underground music scene um, and that needs to change So I'm really kind of making it quite a point To smash open that void Where there is not a lot of kind of younger kids And I believe it's necessary in this digital day and age yeah. to, to come through with that So there's a lot of young talent coming through OPOM. Opom um, A lot more music for myself uh, More live acts I'll be doing a lot more on the piano in the new year um, And yeah, that's
0: pretty much it Long may your music reign, Paris. It's been so inspirational. Before you go, I want to ask you one more question. How would you describe yourself in one word? Do you know what? I used to say this when I'm 15, which is why it's stopping me
1: from saying it right now. Sophista funk.
0: This is Modern Woman. Find us at modernwoman.co for further info.